Howdy. <laughs> Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart. We're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. Are you music playing? It cut off halfway. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. The music was playing. Sorry, it cut off. Go ahead, Josh. So we are at... Episode number 200 for the Texas Oil and Gas 200. Podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in today. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. All right. So uh, episode hey, 200. What's the... We got two more five-star reviews. We did. I saw that. I think two reviews as well. Uh, yes, we're up 309 five-stars. And we have... Um, this is from 8246831754. I don't know if that's a cell phone number or if that's just a weird username. Appreciate you guys. Well, we appreciate you, long number person. So thank you. Um, and then Oil Patch Warrior. I love the show and how well y'all explain your opinions. You guys have amazing guests that are very knowledgeable about our industry and others that affect the industry. Thank you for all your hard work and honesty. Well, if there's one thing that's honest. What was his subject line, Ron? We're back in it. We're back in it, I think. Uh, so good news, good news, people out in the oil patch. So I was happy to see that. All right. So, Ryan, uh, what are we doing? Are you are you grilling well, ribeyes today or what are we doing for episode 200? Um, well, single malt scotch. We're, uh, we're bringing on a, a prior guest, Reed Goodman. And so it's appropriate to have someone who disdains me so much to come on the show <laughs> to humble us for after 200 episodes. That's, 200 better, episodes that's better than a steak. That's better than a steak. Better than a steak. Uh, well, we're, we're humble guys on this podcast. We're very humble. And so, um, it's, you know, 200, man, it's, uh, golly, it's, what's well, obviously halfway to 400, duh, but it's, uh, it's just, that's a lot of shows. That's yeah, man. Shows. Yeah. I think that's four years, essentially. Four yeah, years. Four years. Well, we did have four year anniversary back in uh, Texas Independence Day. So there we go. It's, uh, I mean, just think about all the stuff that's happened in the last four years with the market, oil and gas. I mean, it is. It's insane. Like it's literally insane. And I mean, I don't know if I can handle another four years like the last four years. Yeah, I mean, maybe last year, but (laughs) I mean, oil hit negative forty essentially. We had an oil and gas war with the Saudis and Russians that like to have killed all of us. Uh, COVID, which like to have killed none of us, but bankrupting the. Yeah, I wouldn't talk about the last ten years, which was last year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a decade. That was like a decade in itself. That was crazy, man. It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, you know, Josh and I were hanging out on Saturday and and we were just talking about some of the stuff that happened last year. And it's so crazy because it feels like that was, you know, three, four, five, six years ago because you didn't think about it anymore. It was so much. I'm I'm looking forward to the book to be written about just the different shutdowns and different measures that were taken because it's really hard to track just what all I mean, you talk about the the price war. We, you know, we killed Suleimani last year. I mean, no one even yeah. talks about that anymore. The Iranians shot down a jetliner, a commercial jetliner. That happened last year. <laughs> I mean, no one even talks about it. They shot down a, a, a passenger jetliner last year. And no one even talks about it. So it's been going on for four years, but it feels like, uh, you know, last year I, I, I was like a decade long. And so it's um, it's been crazy. It's been crazy for sure. Yep, it has been. Uh, so just jumping into some stories this week, uh, David Blackman. Hey, hey, what? Listen, I see uh, 
I see Reed there in the, in the background. Let's let's uh let's bring him on if he's ready. Are you ready, Reed? Looks like you're ready. I see you moving around. Yeah, he's smiling. Let's bring him on ready. here. Reed, what's up, buddy? Right, let's see here. Put him on the good big morning, show. Guys. Look How at that. Doing good, man. Uh, Where you at in the world? Can y'all hear me? I didn't know if I needed to dig some uh, earbuds out. Looks like y'all all have them in. But if you can hear me fine, go ahead and nod. Yeah, I think you're okay right now. Yeah, okay. sorry. Okay. We were saying before you got on, we, we thought for episode for episode 200 that it would be good to uh, get on someone to humble us. And so no better than, a, than, <laughs> than you who, who hates me. So it works out well. Well, you know, Ryan, I'm trying something new. Uh, Josh will appreciate this, but you might not subscribe. I was reading a book, and it said that uh, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I can't remember what the book was. Uh, maybe some of y'all will know it. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence anyway, People. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming back to me as the Bible. But uh, anyways, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we did this. I'm glad this is how we did so 200. I, I might let, let y'all do most of the talk. Well, uh, let's see. Israel shut down the national <laughs> Obama. That happened this morning, I guess, yesterday. Um, so, Reed, it's been a while since you've been on, man. So, maybe update everybody where you're at and what's going on with you. Yeah, uh, Ryan. So, last time we talked, uh, I was living out in the Permian uh, with a, a smaller private equity company out there, and uh, everything crashed in March. Um, you know, I was let go from that group, and uh, you know, a lot of things. So we ended up selling our house in Midland, moving home, and building a house. And uh, I was a little sour oil field, and you know the way some of those things ended. Uh, and I think a lot of people were last year around that time. And so that is what any reasonable uh, red-blooded American would do. Um, I moved back to the the homestead and started my own company. And uh, told the man to go suck a turtle shell, and and uh, we've been grinding away ever since. So, started your own company, man, living the dream. Yes, <laughs> but four of them. Four of them. <laughs> or hmm. or four companies deep now, so I'm gonna have to slow down at some point. <laughs> hey, Josh, it must be nice to be able to afford a truck with them fancy sunroofs like Reed's got, huh? <laughs> You got vegan leather seats in there, Reed. I'm, hey, I'm praying that the transmission holds out at one of these companies and start making some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Reed, so tell us, you know, you talked about moving around and stuff, and so I think now you're a little bit further, you know, closer to the Eagleford, but uh, you're still out of the Permian. So kind of what's your read on what's going on out there in the old patch right now? Man, I think there's a lot of business out in the Um, You know, there's still a lot going on. Uh, some of these companies have the wherewithal, you know, like like Pioneer, like Endeavor, like EOG. Um, you know, they had wherewithal, they had acreage, they had kind of the fourth, uh, the forethought. I think that uh, when all of this hit, you know, they might have had to shut in some wells for a little bit, but really, in the overall picture, they never completely shut down operations because they knew. Um, you know, just being a cyclical business that is going to come back. So we saw a big drop in things, but uh, we've seen a lot of continued work in the Permian. Uh, uh, and then, you know, here in the last two to three months, uh, our company, 
as well as several of my competitors that I'm, you know, great friends with from the years we've we've spent together, um, have told me that they're having record months. Uh, and you know, last month uh, March was the best month we've had uh, in the Eagleford uh, and in the Permian. Um, and so, I think a lot of people are getting comfortable with sixty dollar oil, uh, and uh, they're hoping, you know, that that if they can stay in that fifty five to sixty five range, there's a lot of room to run uh, and, and and change and I've had a lot of conversations with young engineers um, in the last six months that are trying to figure out how to go from, you know, the companies in general are trying to figure out how to go from a, a DNC company to an operating company. Um, you know, and, and these guys, they're really putting a lot of focus on lowering LOEs, um, better artificial lift, late life, uh, you know, plans for these wells that they've already drilled, for this great acreage that they've already drilled. Um, and so a lot of that shift is focusing away from punching holes and fracking to, you know, how, how do we make these guys make money, right? <laughs> you would think that would have been the, the target from day one, uh, but, you know, a lot of guys are really now scratching their head and they say, hey, well, these need to be profitable. And so uh, that's been good for my business in particular. Yeah, so so Reed, we uh, I saw a report that came out that a lot of jobs are actually being added right now out in the Permian. Uh, that that jobs are finally starting to swing up pretty pretty intense. Uh, month of February, there was a huge jump in jobs. Uh, are you seeing companies start to starting to hire again and starting to bring back on some people? I mean, is there hope for some folks that are out there, uh, or do you think people are going to try to run with slimmer crews to keep those margins uh, where they where they need to be? You know, I see on the service side a lot of hiring coming back. Um, I've got three friends that uh, we kind of had an agreement with under my company, um, you know, to do some work here and there as needed, uh, and they've come back to work full time for somebody else, uh, which you know we hate to see them go, but we're glad that they have a salary, um, you know, to feed their their family and whatnot. And so, um, you know, in that personal experience, yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, pickup out there. Um, especially in West Texas. Uh, you know, I, I'm not seeing as much in the Bakken, not seeing as much in the Eagleford either. But, uh, you know, every week for, shoot, I think six or eight weeks now, we've seen the frack spread climb um, every single week, right? And so that's good. Um, that's good in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so you mentioned people are comfortable with the oil. One of the things that we've tried to think about and kind of get a read on is, as we see the drilling increasing here, how much fear is there though? Um, because the Saudis and OPEC meet monthly now. And so you know, if they want to go and kind of turn the faucet on, then you're going to, you know, that could happen as soon as, well, I guess now they're, they're mapped out through July, but theoretically they could change it if they want to. Um, it's not like before where it was six to seven, eight months between meetings. And so you kind of have this, this constant pressure. I, I think that's actually been a good thing from the U.S. side, because it's kind of kept us at bay. And so do you think that trend will continue, or do you think there's, um, you know, we're going to do what we've done before, which is go over-drill it again? Well, uh, it's definitely kept me at bay. So one of the the four companies, well, five, one of them is a holding company. Four companies that we He's started. Had, okay, hold on, um, hold on. The dude just started a company on the podcast. He had four companies, and in huh? the podcast, he started a fifth. By the end of this interview, he had like 12 well, companies. Start, hold on. Hold on. I, started I ain't got one job offer yet. Company, right? Just, oh, come on. Hey, is the podcast still before we get too far off track? Is the podcast what? 
For sale? Yes. Yeah, everything I got for sale. Everything's for sale. I'll bring your first offer right now. Wait, we need to get off live. (laughs) 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 I'll give you all the change in my change tray. Let me tell you something. That's way overvaluing this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Way overvaluing it. Hey, so, well, to get on topic, Ryan, um, we have, so one of the companies we started is a production company, and it's been a dream of mine and a dream of my father's to buy some production. Um, and I found out you're close to home. It's shallow. It's easy to work. It's everything we wanted. Uh, it's probably not going to buy us a plane or vegan leather seats, but, um, you know, it, it's a lot of fun, and it definitely um, helps to have some income out there. Um, and so we have two wells out there that were drilled and uncompleted. Um, and I didn't know that when I bought the property, but I got out there, you know, and started doing some research and really looking through this and, uh, and came to the conclusion that nobody ever fracked those two wells. And so to me, that was a huge blessing, but dad and I are sitting back now looking at this and saying, you know, <laughs> we'd love to frack them at $80, you know, um, $60, they still make a lot of money. We'd love to frack them at $80. If we can make cash flow work where we're at. Why don't we wait until somebody does something dumb and oil prices shoot up, and then we'll go ahead and frack them. On the flip side of that, though, Ryan, uh, um, the cost keeps going up, right? So these are, like I said, these are small, shallow wells. Um, Let's say oil at $30 a barrel, it would cost, for a round number, $10,000 to frack one. When oil is at $60 a barrel, it now costs twenty thousand dollars to frack that well, and I fully expect when oil's at eighty, ninety, a hundred, it's going to cost me fifty thousand dollars to frack that well, right? So the services go up um, on it because you know things are in high demand, and so uh, I'm sure a lot of big ENPs are battling the same things that we're thinking about here. Uh, we would like to make some extra oil, um, but you know, is that resource more worth more later? You know, weighing the the NPV on it. Um, but then also what's the to get out later when, when, when services are hard to find, right? And do we have to bring in a, a lesser crew that doesn't know as much about the area, is not as good, not as efficient, and then we have more risk, uh, with our well board because they might not do something right. And so, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, I don't know. I think a lot of people are still being cautious, um, you know, they, they know that they need to move ahead, but um, I don't think anybody's just opened the gates and gone full bore because they know there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors at play. And, and um, with them looking at cash flow, uh, a lot of times it's easier to, to make cash flow what you have instead of spending a bunch of capital and may or may not pay out with current prices. So. Well, it's interesting because this is a story that we've followed on the podcast for years now, Josh, is that, you know, as price goes up and the service cost goes up. And so right now, a lot of service companies took a beating last year, you know, we did. So, um, and they, they, they stayed open and lost money. And so they're trying to figure out how to make their money back. And so as you're talking about that read, I'm sitting there thinking, well, if you're a service company, you're kind of in a tough spot because 
you know, if you, you want to raise your rates because you, you, know, you start hiring more people, your cost goes up, all this stuff. You want to get better people, people on the market. But then the price isn't really justifying that much higher prices. Of course, if you're the producer, you want to keep the prices down because you're trying to make sure you, you keep your margin there. Um, from the service side of things, you know, is there kind of a frustration maybe that the rates aren't able to go up fast enough because as we, we, we we, we we know what happens on the on the AP side last year because all these companies are public or most of these companies are publicly traded, but on the service companies, unless you're kind of a big one, you don't really know what's happening. So a lot of these guys are properly held, and so they went through a lot of pain last year. I'm sure they're looking to make that money back. Can they make it back at sixty dollar oil, or do they have to be just play the game really slow and be patient? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to make that money back for a lot of those companies. Um, with my tool company, Tarpon Oil Tools, we shameless plug. Um, we've really taken a large focus and talked a lot internally that we don't want busy work. And I came from a lot of private equities where at all costs to go get the work, we want market share. And I, I don't, I can't speak for those companies where they're at now, but we made a, uh, a decision that we didn't want busy work. We want work that's profitable and we want strong relationships, right? And so we would rather have 10 small mom and pop accounts than one knocked out of the park, huge producer. Um, because we we feel like that's kind of a hedge on the service side, right? We have a better relationship. They know if they call at 2 a.m., we're going to be there, whether it's at $30 or $100. And then, you know, we charge a little bit more maybe than we would one of those really big companies using one of those private equity companies that's trying to get market share. But for that, you get a relationship, you get the same hand on location, right? And so our strategy has really been trying to get out of the out of the busy work and say, look, we're in to make make money and we know you are too, right? So let's let's uh you know, come together and make this worthwhile for everybody. And so um you know, with that being said, I've quoted some some stuff out in the Permian and <laughs> a year ago I could touch the price of are quoting now. I could have bought my equipment for the price that people are selling it for right now. Um, and that's tough. That's really tough. So. Yeah, so so Reed, I mean, uh, it's interesting. Um, some of these companies had the, the PPP money to help kind of float them along last year. And there's been you know, some very tight margins, even after that money expired. Uh, I had friends that I was talking to out there that a lot of them got laid off as soon as that, that PPP money ran out. Um, I, I guess the question uh, that's going to be for a lot of these companies is um, with the, the debt that they've accumulated, will they be able to survive? Or are they going to have to, to rebrand and remarket themselves? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see these companies can, can actually make it, you know, I, I'm, I know a lot of people out there that are in that phase where they're seeing hope, seeing light, but at the same time, uh, like you said, I mean, the margins for the producers are, are just so slim that they're they're not able to get those prices up where they really need to be. Right. And I think a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about the E&P companies um, having taken it and, and being slave to shareholders and whatnot, but we don't talk about it. Um, on the service company side nearly as much that look Halliburton slaves with shareholders, but so is any other private equity company slave to their board of investors. Right. And so um, a lot of these guys lost a lot of money and 
they're not wanting to put much back into it, one, but then, you know, two, the whole idea with a private equity company, most of the time, I don't want to paint everybody with a broad stroke, but most of the time is to build this company up, to grab market share, to sell it to Baker Hughes, to Halliburton, to Slumberjay, to one of the bigger, you know, and get to pay out and be out and be fine, right? And now we're flooded with so many service companies. If they haven't gone under yet, you know, they're just holding on, praying and hoping that somebody buys them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this, it's the exact same story that we saw with a lot of these uh, ENP guys coming into the shell plays. And that's why we're seeing con- consolidation outside. Uh, we lost you there, Reed. I don't know. Yeah, somebody tried to call me. Um, oh. Yeah, we're seeing the same consolidation, I think, on the service company side. Yeah, so uh, I think we got an article last week from uh, from uh, David Ramson Wood and one from David Blackman talking about uh, companies like Pioneer that were um, buying up acreage and, and buying up companies. And their, their thought was smaller companies are going to have a really hard time thriving out in the Permian. Uh, but you seem to have an angle right now that that there's actually a great opportunity for these smaller companies to build deeper, better relationships with with their you know their their clients. Um, now, what, what do you think about the the Permian and the ability for the small guys, especially with ESG that uh, you know these companies and the environmental concerns as things progress? What do you think? Do you think small companies still have a place uh, in the Permian? Do you think it's going to be a long term? Um, opportunity for success? I think they absolutely have a place and I think they always will. Um, you know, that's what's driven um, innovation and uh, new ideas. You know, we look at George Mitchell. Um, he wasn't working for Chevron when he started all this fun fracking stuff. Um, so I think, I think there's definitely a place for them. Um, and there's so much acreage, especially in the Permian, right? There is so much acreage to and there's so many different ways to go about it. I, I know of a company out there that we're doing some work with that, you know, more than half of the wells they drill are still verticals and they make great money doing it. And do they have shell acreage? They have acreage that would be considered shell acreage, right? And they drill a couple of horizontals on there, but they're still chasing a lot of the conventional play out there. And so there's room for all different kinds, I think, because it is such a big basin and it is so prolific from so many different formations um so there's definitely room there and i I think there always will be right and there's also the idea that you know when you have an office of 50 accountants and you have seven you know land division or analysts and you have six tiers of middle management you know we talk about synergy buying up these companies but really when you're at one of these big companies, you've got a lot of overhead to pay for. And when it's six, seven, eight dudes wearing seven or eight different hats, you know, there's a lot more money to be made in that office, in my opinion, because it's no longer about sale, but about profitability. And those guys don't have to hire everything out or, you know, get another engineer to look at this particular piece. You know, they can wear a lot of those different hats. And so I think there's still a lot of, um, a lot of room for those companies in the market, right? So one of the things, Josh, in the ESG stuff, we've talked about that some. Curious what your thoughts are on how that might impact service companies. But there's also kind of the angle, 
as you see consolidation wherever it's at, and the bigger companies become, the more the 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 higher the barrier of entry it is to work for them, right? So you're going to have you know different insurance requirements, different safety requirements. Um, so I, I agree, there's always going to be a, a spot for the small guy, but will we kind of see maybe a uh, more bifurcated uh, Permian to where kind of the big service companies are working for the big oil and gas companies and the small service companies are working for the small because you can't cross that threshold because there's too many insurance requirements. There's too much pay, uh, paperwork involved. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're probably onto something in, in that regard. Um, you know, we had to up our insurance requirement three different times uh, in the last three months because we kept, uh, you know, beating our head against the wall, trying to get this MSA with the customer and they wanted twice as much as the last MSA we signed as far as insurance go. And so, um, you know, the cost of doing business and, and you're absolutely right that that does squeeze some people out. Um, but I think, I think a lot of that's just changing with time. Right. And so, um, you know, your mom and dad's oil field company from the seventies or from the eighties, um, did not operate the way we operate right now. Um, and so there will always be evolution um, in, in how we operate and what we focus on and what we put our effort into, right? You know, I, my grandpa would tell me stories back in the 60s selling compressors that he'd drive around with a case of Crown Royal in the back of his Impala. And he'd show up to a rig in an Impala and, he'd, you know, he'd give the pusher a, you know, a big old bottle of Crown. And that just doesn't fly anymore, right? So the whoa, 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 that's frowned upon? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that, that was frowned upon. We're going to cut that out of the podcast. I can't, I, don't, I want plausible deniability, Reed. You, Reed, you have just ruined so many sales guys' day because now they're like, well, Reed said this is frowned upon. We can't do this. You should have said, man, come on, man. I got a weight off location now. The Texas Oil and Gas Podcast does not endorse or condone anything that Reed Goodman has said, will say, or thinks about saying, just to be clear. <laughs> you do you, or don't do you. Follow company policy and law if you think you can get away with it. But, you know, whatever. This is a comedy podcast. Keep that in mind, people. Go ahead, Reed. Go ahead. Just we'll get that in there. So, anyways, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Somebody on uh, LinkedIn likes the hashtag, uh, it's not your daddy's old field. Um, and, and I think that's certainly, you know, Companies will adapt, and there's companies that will refuse to adapt. Um, and the ones that refuse to adapt, you know, they'll continue to do work with some of the ones they're still going to work with. Um, and they might peter out over time, and they might find their niche and just love it, um, you know, and just and just stay true to that. But um, I, I do agree with you. There's a lot of requirements uh, that are changing, um, you know, and, and I don't think that they're in such a manner that they're going to squeeze the small service companies out. Personally, um, from what we've seen, you know, it's not a buried entry that we can't make it happen. Um, well, it's, it's know, a not, thing. Not yet. Right. <laughs> not well, yet. That, that's the thing. So if you say the margins are tight, but the insurance requirements are going up, the safety requirements are going up, all these overhead requirements are going up, and the margins stay tight for a prolonged period of time, um, then you kind of get into the spot to where it just changes the competitive balance, right, wrong, or indifferent. And, and, and it's something that the industry is going to have to deal with. One of the things that's been beautiful about the oil and gas industry is that, you know, uh, Reed Goodman can go start four companies and go make a million dollars, you know. And so we want to keep that kind of mentality. This is your average Joe. Two million? I'm sorry. Reed was saying it was two million dollars. I didn't know. Sorry, Reed. No, Reed's no, made two no. million dollars. Who's saying two million dollars? I was million praying for that first million. <laughs> <laughs> I think Reed said he made two already. Sorry, Reed. Sorry. Um, Reed made two million. Um, but, you know, anyone can go start, and it's not 
it's, it's something to where you can go work for a service company or, or an AP, learn a part of the trade or the trade, you know, whether it's drilling a well or working on wells or, or pipelines or whatever. And you go start a company and go do that. Um, and so I, I think that's part of the spirit that makes the oil field kind of unique and something that we want to keep. And I just hate to see um, keeping new, fresh ideas out of the industry because of these over – you know, these, these insurances, as you know, <laughs> I mean, especially talking about professional liability, they're outrageous. They're outrageous. Well, when you want to talk about new ideas, um, Ryan, you know, and, and part of this is a plug for me, but part of this is, is what's going to keep smaller service companies around, right? Is that companies like Baker Hughes or Halliburton, they buy innovation. They don't create it, right? So right. we saw a need for a particular tool particular downhole tool. So we, we talked about ESTs last time I was on. You know, a lot of people are having to fish their ESTs out. Um, you know, part of tubing, something stuck. And when it falls down on the curve, it makes it really hard to fish. And so there's been a big push in the last two years to develop what's called an ESD catcher. So it's just a tool um, that sits you set below your ESP, and if it falls, it keeps it from going down into your lateral where you can't fish it out. So we've been selling a couple of those and having some conversations and come to find out nobody makes one that's tubing retrievable, okay? And there are hundreds of tool companies across the U.S. And this is, the, this is a tool that nobody makes. And so we're small enough and nimble enough and have enough time that we said, look, nobody's making this. Um, let's design one, right? From six months of saying that, we have one ready to go and well and so you know you're not going to see that at Halliburton right you're not going to see that at Baker Hughes and so when people need innovation they're gonna have to rely on smaller companies to make that solution and prove it up and um, you know now that we've got going we've got proved up I'm sure there's going to be a dozen people copy it in some way shape or form that's just the way the oil field goes and we're all right with that but our purpose part of it you know and like i said having those small companies but our purpose is saying hey look we enjoy getting into the nitty-gritty and we enjoy providing solutions and that's why we don't want to be at one of these big huge service companies because then we're just doing cookie cutter stuff and we get bored and we don't we don't work our brain and we don't provide solution to a company because it may not be enough revenue you know it may not be um a big enough market share for them to even look at. And we got tired of that, right? So um, I think absolutely there will always be room because of that innovation. Okay, uh, final question for you, Reed, we'll let you go. What do you call a man who squelches on a bet? Who what's on a bet? Squelches, doesn't pay up his bet. Oh, well, you know, depends on the bet. Um, I guess, and and really, if there were clear expectations on a time frame for that bet, see, I've been waiting for Josh uh, to you know to be available so that we can take everybody fishing. Josh is available to go fishing whenever he he's everyone fishing. So Josh, I mean, Josh is ready. Josh is ready. I mean, I'm just saying. So, um, you know, I mean, I just just curious what you say about a man like that. You know, we're coming up on almost a year when we made that bet. I guess April 22nd is when oil prices went negative. So we were probably about May 1st, weren't we? Yeah, well, you know, just so everyone knows, Reed and I had a friendly um, a friendly bet. I say friendly. No, I mean, the stakes were, the stakes were uh, 
all uh, four person all expense paid trip uh, to fishing down Baffin or Corpus or, or wherever, that oil prices would go negative twice. I, of course, as the expert said they would not, Reed, as the young Padawan learner, went against me and he lost. However, he um, he hasn't paid up. And so, you know, it's, um, so, you know, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know how you get this man to pay up. So we're, I'm calling him out publicly here. Reed, <laughs> you know, I need to go fishing, bro. Ron wants to go fishing. And like we were talking about earlier, we have to get cash flow positive first. <laughs> that wasn't, hey, hey, listen, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't, any, I don't remember that being a part of the terms of the agreement. You talk about these contracts, these oil and gas companies. We gotta, yeah. <laughs> you can read the fine so. print in that text message, Ryan. Yeah, well, uh, what's, <laughs> oh, I got the text message. So anyways, read, it was, where can people find you? Um, so we have a website, different oil tools. Dot com. Um, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Read Car- Cajun Spark Goodman. Um, I don't know if anybody does that anymore. Um, or, you know, Ryan has my contact info if anybody wants to talk about, you know, um, any kind of coaching, production, specialty tools, artificial lift. You know, if you have a need, like I said, we're really into um, sitting down and taking a look at that. So, uh, reach out to Ryan uh, on LinkedIn, uh, or you can visit our website, Tarpon Old Tools, and uh, all of the contact info there goes to me. So, yeah, reach out to me. I'd be happy to charge Reed a feed to connect you to. That'd be lovely. <laughs> I love that idea. I, being that he worked on the first bet, I don't know if he'll pay me or not, but I'd be happy to take a commission. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Reed, I'm just saying the fish are biting. That's what I've heard. They're there, there's plenty of them. Actually, what the rumor is, there's too many that need to be thinned out. So they need some experts like Josh and myself to go kind of thin the herd. And so, um, that's, that's right. Chase down all yeah. those frozen fish. <laughs> 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 so, all right, buddy. Well, best of luck to you. It was good catching up, and uh, we'll talk soon. Good seeing you, Reed. Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye. All right, Joshua. Let's see here. Get things. I said squelches. I meant welches. Whatever. I can't speak. Stewart's giving me a hard time. Stu, Stu, squanches, squelches, welches, welches, welches on a bit. That's the thing, right? Welches on a bit. I don't know. He he didn't pay my fishing trip, man. And he well, what kind of man does that? What kind of man does that? Yeah, well, he he uh, he he may come up. He may come up with the money. Get him getting cash flow positive. We're gonna hold him to that bet because um, I I need to be one of the four. That's uh. That's going on that trip. Yeah, so if you're listening and you need something that Reed does, call him, hire him, pay him, and tell him, oh, by the way, I got to be one of the four. To take, take your boys fishing. Yeah. 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 That's a good take idea. Your boys fishing. Love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this this is a comedy podcast, too. We're not we're not talking about what's uh, what may or may not be happening on the on the show. So <laughs> I don't know if the car was moving or not. I want to comment there. So. Hi, right, Josh. What else we got before we wrap, out, wrap it up, buddy? Uh, let me hit a few things real quick before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, you're next week, aren't you? Is it next week? Go ahead, Josh. Uh, first of all, thank you to Reed Goodman coming on the show. That was uh, that was great information. Uh, good, good to you know he has uh, feet on the ground, so it's good to hear some of that. Glad to hear that service chops are coming back. Hopefully, that is a long term um, phenomena that we see continuing for the rest you know rest of the year. Uh, a couple of stories. Uh, one, Biden plan targets fossil fuel subsidies worth $35 billion. Uh, we're going to link this in the show notes. We may cover it again next week, depending. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, it was a tax plan 
uh, for corporate taxes is going to be coming out and there are some targets for fossil fuel companies. So um, might be worth taking a look at there. Um, oil extends climb with near term demand concerns easing. So uh, many people in the market run, they are aware that just slight changes from the Saudis or more shutdowns could devastate the oil market again. And so people have been cautious, but that those cautions are say are starting to ease and people are starting to loosen up a little bit. Um, so we'll see if that caution diminishing is justified or not here in the coming couple months. I think you mentioned uh, OPEC June or July, they might revisit, uh, which they can't at any point really, but um, that'll be the tail of the tape. Uh, let's see. We got, I mentioned the jobs talking with Reed. So it says uh, in February, the oil and gas upstream uh, oil and gas sector added 2,300 jobs in February. So great news there. The upstream in, uh, part of the industry is, uh, is adding jobs. So good to see that. Um, and then we have one more, Ryan, and I, I'll, I'll put this one in just for you and, uh, and Anas. IEA warns developing nations are a blind spot in climate action. I just love that. Uh, you know, um, people are concerned with taking action, you know, on, on climate. And they're saying that these developing nations, um, there's a possibility that they may need a lot more fossil fuel than they than these IEA experts are anticipating. So, yeah, I don't there's always something. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. We will be back again next week. It's good to get read on once again. So uh, be sure to check him out. We'll link to his LinkedIn profile uh, in the show notes, Mr. Shelton. And uh, good show. It's good to get read on. Yeah, he, wasn't, he wasn't mean to me this time. That was nice. I mean, he owed, to... I think it's, I think it's more about him owing me a fishing trip than it is anything else. Maybe he knew it was episode 200 and uh, it was a good time for celebration, not not for uh, too much bagging. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he did lose the belt, so obviously. Uh, I think he was trying to stay away from that, but maybe it was. Maybe it's just, he's just a nice guy now. So No, Reed is a nice guy, so it's good to get him on. Reed, take care, buddy, and listeners. Until next week, keep climbing. <laughs>